Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Reach is brought to you by our sponsor, Jackie, another secret weapon that executive assistants and women who do it all need to know about. You guys all know that feeling, right? Staring at your closet and thinking to yourself, I have so many clothes and yet nothing to wear. That is why Jackie is here. Jackie is a high-end boutique subscription styling service that you apply to join. What I love about Jackie is you get to develop a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist is someone you can text or call or email with specific wardrobe needs or ideas you have. Or maybe there's an upcoming event or trip or meeting or even a wedding that your ex is going to be at that you really, really, really want to look fantastic for. Those are exactly the types of scenarios a Jackie subscription can help with. Each box from Jackie is filled with high quality clothing and accessories. Jackie is here to help all of us embrace our style and our confidence. This is subscription styling done right for the women who do it all. So apply to join Jackie and fall in love with your style this year. Visit shopjackie.com to apply to join and be sure to tell your stylist Maven sent you with code MAVEN20 for 20% off all the items kept in your first box. Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. I'm your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And today I'm joined by an old friend, <laughs> not old at all, actually, just old in terms of time that we've known each other, uh, by the name of Clarabel Barajas. Welcome, Clarabel. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you again, <laughs> as always. <laughs> you as well. Um, before we get started, I'd like to share a little bit about Clarabelle's impressive background. Clarabelle started off her executive assistant career in tech, supporting executives of very name brand companies such as Salesforce, Zendesk, and Airbnb. She later pivoted to venture capital when she followed the, CF- the CFO of Airbnb uh, at the time, who was uh, named Lawrence Tosi, to his current VC firm known as Westcap Group. And most recently, she supported the founder and CEO of a company called Human Capital. But fun fact about Clarabelle is that before she became an EA, she was a forensic specialist on the police force for nearly seven years. (laughs) And for some reason, she tells me that she's nervous today, which I can't get over. (laughs) Because if you can chase down criminals in the street, I just, I don't get that. (laughs) So specifically, Clarabelle is going to be speaking about the emotional demands um, of the EA role. And I think it's something that many of our listeners can relate to. Um, This position, as so many of you know, can be really taxing, um, particularly on an emotional level, because, you know, there's obviously the intimacy of the partnership itself, Mm -hmm. um, which often has its own intensity. Um, Oftentimes, there's not really a lot of buffers um, between you and your executive. Um, And depending upon that dynamic and that style, that can create and present a whole other slew of of circumstances and challenges. Um, Of course, the role is often round the clock, as we know. 
Um, and it's also often very frenetic and unpredictable. So all of these things, when compiled, can really um, create an, an emotionally taxing situation. So Clarabelle is going to share a little bit about her personal experience with some of these challenges and um, ultimately provide us with some tips for how to avoid burnout and how to really take care of yourself in a demanding environment. It'd be great if you could walk us through, you know, what a typical day looked like for you at the climax of what what your most stressful role or most stressful environment was like. Um, you know, one of the many things that I will say to start off is that every day was never one and the same. Every day was something different. Something different was coming down the pipe. Something was going to change in the middle of your day. So again, every day was never one and the same. So you have to be ready, locked and loaded and prepared for everything. At this particular moment in in my career, uh, we were getting ready for a uh, very large global gathering of the company, which a lot of companies um, do yearly, you know, to retain morale and make sure everybody gets together, especially at the beginning of the year. The days were increasingly starting to get earlier and earlier and earlier, and I'd find myself waking up at 5 a.m. or sometimes 4.45 because I wouldn't turn off my phone and I could hear it buzzing, and it's just like, you know, that's my fault. Um, wake up, check the email, check my email, check my voicemail, check the weather. The weather's always huge, and that's something I think a lot of us forget to check because you have travel time. What are you going to wear? What is your executive going to wear? Do you need to add more travel time? It just everything, you know, your mind just goes really quickly. Get ready for work. In the middle of all of getting ready for work, you're still constantly answering email. Get to work. Meet your boss. Brief them. Walk into their first meeting, what they're encountering, who they're meeting, all of, all of the, the wonderful details we have to provide. So on top of, you know, in between all the meetings, doing all the normal stuff, meeting with your, your teams, meeting with your uh, core EA team, your boss's direct reports, all of the things, you know, we are in the middle of arranging our largest event at home for the company, right? It's a big deal. We're planning, um, I'm also planning an event in another country which has tons of moving parts and, you know, language barrier included makes it even more difficult. And on top of that, also getting ready for the board. So you're literally like, you know, go, 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 go. And in the middle of all this, you're also constantly watching the clock, watching the clock, making sure you're going to meet your boss and their meeting ends in the right end enough time. And it, Again, I'll spare you all the details that what goes into all of that. So the days continue to be longer and longer and longer. And at this point, we were ending our in-person meetings somewhere between 8 o'clock or so, 8 p.m. or 9. Wow. And then it's dinner. Time to go to dinner because we have guests that are coming in or you have a dinner with a potential investor, etc. So in the car, briefing them on that dinner on top of that, debriefing on the day, which is something that I value so much in working with someone at clo- this closely in that capacity is getting to know them and that's super crucial and also getting a temperature check from them too like how are you doing right because oftentimes we forget to ask them how they're doing as well so doing all that stuff making sure that your boss is taken care of and all the guests are taken care of the bills all this stuff making sure their car transportation is ready and then at some point you have to leave and go home and you need to eat as well you need to take care of yourself and in the midst of maybe potentially getting something to eat or not, continue to answer my email. And I have a, a rule for myself where I won't sleep until my inbox is at zero. Like, because when I'm asleep, everything kind of tends to compile from all the business that we do overseas or what, what happens overnight while you're asleep. So by the time you wake up, you're already behind, right? So you want to make sure everything is already lined up for the next day. 
I think the reason why this particular moment uh, was the most stressful is because I never anticipated to be taking care of a very special group of executives that were coming into our global gathering that they said, oh, hey, Clarabelle, can you manage these six people while they're here? But don't tell anybody they're coming. Okay, so there's an extra added layer of not just an extra person, but six other people. And and on top of that, taking care of your boss and making sure all of the people who are coming to visit air, ground, and um, accommodations were taken care of too. Like all of that just comes. And it was super last minute and it's like, okay, let's do it. But, you know, I'm already feeling the stress of making sure that this global gathering goes well for my boss and the areas that he's going to present in, you know, that all of his ducks are in a row. So adding that extra layer of those six other executives who were super important at the time was a little more stressful than I anticipated. Yeah. So that sets the stage very well, I'd say. <laughs> so to recap, uh, our girl Claravelle is getting up at 430, 445. <laughs> <laughs> um Getting to work, I, I'm guessing like 7.38 to yeah. start your day. And then your actual in-person job and day is going at least 12 hours, it sounds like, in the office. And mm-hmm. then oftentimes followed up, as you mentioned, by dinner and whatnot. And then there's all of the cleanup from the day that still has to happen before you go to bed. So I'm sensing that whatever time and space there is for you, the individual, the her- the person, the human being, <laughs> not just the professional, is squeezed in somewhere between 10 o'clock at night and 4 in the morning. Yeah. And that has to include sleeping, too. Yeah, that's kind of important, you know, because <laughs> if you start losing sight of that, you things just start shutting down. Yeah. At, you know, I don't think it matters at what capacity you're in. Like, you know, once that sleep starts declining, it's like, how present are you going to be the next day? How on are you going to be? And I can't stress enough that, you know, when you are working at this capacity, the room for error is very slim. Like, there shouldn't be any errors. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have plan ABC lined up. Well, you better make sure D, E, and F plans are also lined up because, heaven forbid anything happened to your original plans. You need to already have something in place. Right, right. So given what you just described, um, at what point did you realize that you were working yourself into the ground? What were what were the signs and and what what started to what started what balls started to drop what, what gray hairs popped up oh those things too um, I I you know this I will say this this one was a really really hard one to answer okay. for me because okay. I had to think about this long and hard because I think there were so many moments leading up to this overworked phase that I kept pushing them aside like no you're good you got this. You're good. You got this. You know, and it had been going on for so long at this point that, you know, there's only so much Dayquil you can take, right? Or Advil because whatever it is that you're feeling. So I woke up specifically this morning with a sore throat. I ignored it as I normally do, took some Dayquil, and um, I knew I had to power through this day at all costs because this was the day of Mm -hmm. our global gathering. Mm. So... (laughs) The day came and went, final meetings came, dinner came, then post-dinner drinks came. We arrived to the the last location for the final drinks. You know, I ensured everything was taken care of, you know, all the details that come with that. I said my goodbyes very quickly, didn't stay, 
and I hopped in the, the car and I told my driver, I said, um, you need to take me to the emergency room. Really? Yeah. I'm like, something's just not right. And he's like, wow. are you okay? And I'm like, just get me there as soon as you can. We got there. I get checked out and the doctor advises me straight away. He's like, you're running a very high fever and um, you have an infected strep throat. So I, and I was just powering through this entire day. And mind you, this day at this particular time started, I think at seven and dinner didn't end until almost 10, 11. And I still had work to do because I'm still getting ready for this event overseas that has a lot that still needs to be done. And I'm like not in any type of mental capacity or physical capacity to just be so on and make sure everything's planned accordingly. And look, I have absolutely nobody to blame but myself because the signs were there and I chose to just ignore them and think, I got this. I'm good. Well, you know what? I wasn't. And there's another incident that really sticks in my head that I wasn't sure if I wanted to share, but I feel that it's important that we share it, that I share it, because it's just something that a lot of women just don't talk about. And this particular time, after this event happened to me, I chose to not only take time, but step away from it all. Um, I unfortunately suffered a miscarriage. And that was, like, I still find find it hard to talk about. And this happened a while ago. And this is something that I feel like we don't talk about enough because a lot of women go through this. And it's hard, you know, it's hard. And then, you know, you're supposed to go to work and tell your boss, you know, and oftentimes, like, is it too personal to bring up? Should I bring it up or should I just take some time off? You know, but when you're so conditioned to not taking that time off and something bad happens, it's like the amount of like, for me, it was weird. It's like I, I associated like guilt with it, but also like it's my fault. I I did this to myself and it, I, I struggle with finding the right words to say because, you know, I I struggled to talk to my peers and the men and women who I was close with at work to say, hey, this happened to me and I'm not okay. Can you help me? And that was hard. And it came a moment where I, you know, talked to my partner about it. And, you know, and I also talked to some doctors about it. And he's like, and they were very clear about if this is something you want in your life, you really have to take a step back. Because your lifestyle and the way you're going and the amount that you're working is absolutely not sustainable for, you know, creating a life. You know, you're, you're just burning the candle at both ends, you know. You need to stop. And in the midst of talking to my doctor about this, can you believe that I had my phone in my hand and I was answering an email? My doctor grabs my hand, takes my phone, and he's like, you really need to listen to me right now. This mm -hmm. is my time with you. Mm -hmm. And if this is that important to you, then you will listen to me. And and I can't stress enough how often we condition ourselves to just go, go, go. And here I am sitting in a doctor's office telling me that, you know, I unfortunately lost a baby that I was really super excited to have. And I learned my lesson and I walked away. I want to thank you for sharing um that anecdote that 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 um 
that time in your life um, is very courageous of you and it's very generous of you to share that because, um, as you point out, as women, um, (sighs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we carry so much. We do so much. Um, And oftentimes I think there's like this expectation that we can just endure and continue to be Mm -hmm. everything. And at the (laughs) same time, um, have the capacity and the energy and the health to be able to create and support life at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's a huge ask. And, um, and I think a lot of people have probably gone through what you just described, but not everybody is, um, as willing, I think, to open up and talk about the real consequences Mm -hmm. and the real threats, um, that can happen when, you don't prioritize yeah. your well-being. And um, and I do believe <laughs> that sometimes baby beings enter our life and become a part of us, mm-hmm. not because every single one of them is meant to enter the world, but because they have a message for us to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that that's um, the way that you had to experience that and and receive that message. But it does sound like you received it. Um, oh yeah, loud and clear. Loud and clear. <laughs> and um, and I think that there's a blessing in that. And and there's a, an opportunity to also be grateful to that little baby being. Yeah. For giving you that opportunity. Yeah. As we were talking about today and and talking about kind of, you know, what can happen in this role, you made the comment that sometimes, you know, being an EA can feel like you're being a punching bag for your executive, right? And you're just kind of like taking the blows and taking the blows and taking the blows. Um, What have you learned about how you can kind of absorb those blows, so to speak, or those shock waves that come working so closely with somebody who's so in demand, right? What have you learned about how you can absorb those shock waves in a healthy way and in a way that doesn't cause um, reverberations mm. for you personally? I think one of the things that I learned early on was to not to take things too personally, first and foremost. Earlier in my career, very sensitive to like, you know, the comments or the emails, right? Because words get lost in translation and email too sometimes. And you're like, am I reading this right? You know, are they talking down to me? Um, And I always thought, you know, I was the one to blame for a mistake. And I quickly realized that like, no, like I had nothing to do with what just happened. I helped try to facilitate this and make it run smoothly and something happened, right? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's part of the job. But the one thing that I can say is like, you know, take a step back. Don't react straight away. Take a minute. Breathe a little bit. And always remember, this is business. Okay, this isn't your personal life. This isn't your friend talking to you. This is business and treat it as business. Always be kind and respond swiftly and be clear and direct with your messaging, right? Because if it's not in person or we're talking face to face, it's in an email. Just take a minute and respond. 
And, you know, maybe phrase it with like, what can we do to help avoid this problem in the future? You know, put the ball in their court, like, because it takes two of you, because what if the mistake came from their camp? You know, you don't, we don't know all the details here. But, and also the one thing too, that I can't stress enough is only apologize if necessary. We get in the in really bad habits sometimes of apologizing for something we didn't do. And that, that really, I think, speaks volumes. It's just like a natural, oh, I'm sorry. Especially, I feel like as women too, sometimes it's just like a natural thing to say. It's like, cut that. I do this thing where I take a, I take a breath and I just kind of like, hmm, and kind of lean back and just like, okay, I heard you. Because oftentimes when people are conveying you know, trying or speaking down to you or trying to get their message across, they sometimes don't realize how they sound, right? So this is a reaction to your action. I'm going to take a minute, hear what you said again, and react accordingly, but always, always be professional. And that's something that it took a while to get to, because sometimes I'd be like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and it's it's like, I'm sorry, am I understanding you correctly? See there, I just said I'm sorry. You know, am I hearing you correctly? <laughs> you know, it's just, again, habit. And or can we can we have, can we go for a walk or can, can we discuss what happened here? Because here is what you told me, you know, r- speak to them in the most truest form and how you receive their message, right? And just tell them. Mm-hmm. So if I'm hearing you correctly, this is what I understand is the problem. Mm-hmm. And rephrase it that way and just kind of bring them down because you never know, you know, what type of day they're having to or if -hmm. things just aren't going well. It's like it's it's also your job, too, to reassure them that Mm -hmm. this isn't going to happen again. And you're just like boiling inside because, you know, this has happened maybe 10 times again, you know, before. There's just so many things that you learn how to condition yourself in those heated moments or in those moments of anger or blame Put pointing blame at someone right. that you have to just like take a minute. Yeah. Well, that it's a very effective de-escalation mm-hmm. strategy because if you think about, you know, any argument that you've been in, I know we've all been in arguments. <laughs> Maybe you were in one last night. I don't know. But it's like, if you think about it, like there's nothing more defeating to somebody when they're trying to get your goat and, and they're like up here and they're really reacting in a very strong way. And then the other person just kind of goes... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will take that into consideration. Right. It just it 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 really takes the energy out of the interaction and mm-hmm. out of the room, and it kind of removes the gas, yeah. if you will. So I think that there's definitely something something to that. No, for sure. And you're very much seen as a gatekeeper, and you will for always. I feel like be that that punching bag for somebody, but just knowing how to handle that and de-escalating mm-hmm. and like, okay, I got this. I hear you mm-hmm. and I see you mm-hmm. and check in with them. Like I have the habit of like, it's funny how you always remember the people that give you the most either grief or the most difficult to work with. Like, you know, I always make sure that I pay them just a little more extra attention mm-hmm. because of what had happened in the past or because I know they're specifically sensitive to whatever it may be mm-hmm. and just address that and ensure them or meet them at the meeting, meet them before the meeting, walk and talk with them, humanize it, make sure that, Hey, I'm here to help you. 
So help me help you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. It definitely does. <laughs> definitely does. So how have you learned to maintain healthy existence for yourself um, while not making concessions in your career? Or I want to kind of also put a different <laughs> spin on this. Maybe you've also made a choice to make a concession in your career because you felt like it wasn't possible to have a healthy existence for yourself mm-hmm. and continue to operate at that same level. I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm just kind of putting both out there as an option. But I'd love to I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that as to, you know, um, where you landed with this. And if you are doing both in tandem, like great. Or if you've made a conscious choice to reprioritize certain things in your life at this point, I think that's also really interesting. No, that that's a really great question. And I think this is where I find it very difficult because um, I feel like in these roles, we're very conditioned to always be putting on a brave face and always being on like, I'm good. I got this, you know, always wanting to champion every mission yourself. That is just how we're conditioned and how we're trained um, and how we see other people handle handle their business. Um, for me, the most difficult thing was learning how to turn off. That has like been my absolute biggest weakness because we carry our computers in our hand every single day. And in my case, and as everybody that knows me knows that I always carry two cell phones. Like it's just, that's how crazy it has been for me in the course of the last like eight years. And one of the things that I learned in all of this was vocalizing and talking to my peers about like about admitting that you know what I'm not okay today can you help me with this or I'm really tired can like I haven't slept that well are you really busy can you help me with this task like it'd mean a lot and about 99.999 percent of the time people will say absolutely how can I help every time but I don't know if it's pride or you want to be the one to be doing it all in your own. Like, you know, we wear capes, you know, they're whether they're powerful heels or they're capes, you know, this is how we run our life and how we are seen as well. Right. But one of the things that I learned from all of this was after hitting those two major walls for myself was obviously asking for help, putting my pride aside. And also vowing to myself that I will take at least three times a week, I put time on my calendar, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 60 minutes, I'll take a Pilates class, I'll take a yoga class. And one of the many things that you know is I'll go for a ride on my bike. Mm -hmm. And that was like, for me, that was everything Mm -hmm. when you and I first Mm -hmm. met. And doing that recently, I mean, Jessica, I cannot tell you. I did a really long ride about a week ago and I cried. I cried because I realized how much a part of me, like how much of that was so much a part of me and getting to my Zen mm-hmm. that, that you were denying. I was den- denying. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, Oh my God, like I can still do this. And you feel so good. And I just got the chills. Like mm-hmm. you feel so good because it's like, I can still do this. I got this. And prioritizing like, that time for yourself is was a first for me. And I've been doing this for a while and knowing that I've been putting this aside for what? Mm-hmm. 
to come in extra early and right. sit around and, and answer email that doesn't really need to be answered, but because I'm crazy and want to make sure that my inbox is at zero every night, like that's how you condition yourself. But it's okay to take that time. You know, it doesn't have to be every day, but allowing yourself to have that time. And um, another thing, the major thing was just just listen to your body. If your body's telling you, like, my back hurts, my feet hurt, or, you know, you're constantly getting headaches or whatever it is, listen to that. Make an appointment. You never know. You mm-hmm. never know. I absolutely 1,000% have dialed it back a lot because I found that always having to constantly remind myself how good it felt to ride my bike or mm-hmm. take that Pilates class. But also having that transparency with my boss and saying, look, these are things that are important to me and laying out that foundation mm-hmm. at the beginning of your work relationship mm-hmm. and saying, this is going to keep me zen. This is, you know, whether it's the one day a week you come in late or you leave early, right, mm-hmm. based on the day. Yep. And like, this is going to keep me mentally sane yep. and physically okay, yep. you know, if I take this time yep. and establishing that at first, you know, and in, in in my case, one of the things that I did was, you know, it had gotten so bad that I just walked away from all of it. Yeah. And well, at that point, you have to. You had to. You're, just, you're so spent. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left. No. There's nothing left. There's nothing. There's no gas left. There's the nothing. What do you think it was <clears throat> all those years that made you want those types of jobs? I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had a career before all of this and um, not trying to date myself here or anything, but I, you know, lived through the last recession and um, losing my career, not by choice. It was, you know, we were laid off as a team and then going into complete survival mode. Like, you know, I, I cannot like, I had to completely reinvent myself and going into survival mode and having somebody in an, in a totally separate, different industry give me a chance and say, yeah, you can do this too. And then so, cause it was not law enforcement. I wasn't picking up brain matter at a crime scene. This is like, I'm working with real live people that talk back to you. You know, it's, it's a different environment and it's also not very, um, people oftentimes are not as direct as I am. I'm very, very direct because also I feel like that's just how I'm conditioned as well mm-hmm. because of my prior career. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is something that, I feel was the drive in me is it, it wasn't a sense of failure. It was a sense of like, how am I going to support myself if no one's going to touch me because of my previous career? Like, what do I need to do to, to make that change in my life and be recognized and know that the work I'm doing is valuable. The work that I'm doing is good. And like, climb my way up that ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, I started off supporting four people, which in my mind right now, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, that's crazy in four different time zones too. Like, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, I worked my tail off and now I'm at a capacity where, like, I walked away from a job. You know, like, never in a million years would I ever think I could do that because I was in so, was in so much survival mode and that's why I was trying so hard and so hard to be really good at what I was doing because I personally thought I was doing a great job in law enforcement and, you know, with the recession, a lot of those jobs were lost and we couldn't go back to that. I didn't have anything else to fall back on, so I had to completely reinvent myself and make sure that, like, hey, I'm here, this is what I can do for you. 
very much thinking, you know, differently outside the box and how can my skill set translate yeah. to, to this type of work environment. So in thinking about how you work with your executive now, right, in, in the aftermath of all of these epiphanies that have happened for you, um, what best practices can you share about how you have learned to keep the chaos at bay and how you've learned to work with your executive in a different way to allow for a better work-life balance? Um, the, w- the way that I see this, and this is more leaning towards the balance of working with my boss and bringing the um, chaos at bay with them, is I have a saying that I always say to myself and my closer peers. I say, a happy home life is a happy work life. So always making sure that assessing that my boss's personal and family priorities come first, making sure that their home office is completely set up and covered, right? Because when you get to this level, it takes a village sometimes to run these lives, right? You know, you have your executive and then they have their spouse and then there's children involved. And that's that's a lot, you know, especially given how, how much either your executive might travel or just be just so heads down that they might miss the really special moments in their personal life. And that's something that I truly strive on never putting second ever and making sure that, you know, maintaining that straight line of communication with their home office and understanding, you know, because kids' lives change too and so do their partners' lives. And if one parent can't attend a recital, you better believe the next parent should be there, right? So it's like, you know, hey, you know what? You're, um, the weather's not so great. You actually have to go to the recital. You have to be there a little bit early. So what I ended up, you know, just explaining and being fully transparent, right? And also assuring the home office, hey, he will be there. <laughs> without. A, if I have to pull him out of a meeting, he will be there. And, you know, the next call you're taking, it's not a face-to-face. It's now an, an, a phone call, and you are physically in a car getting to where you need to be in a time of fashion. So I can't stress enough. A happy home life is a happy work life. Yeah. Oftentimes you get lost in the weeds and you don't ever have that face-to-face time. Mm-hmm. You need that. Mm-hmm. It's super important, which is why I find it very crucial to brief and debrief with my boss every day. Mm-hmm. Like, at, especially in, and the beginning and the end of the week. Like, how was your day? Mm-hmm. What could we have done differently mm-hmm. to improve your day? Is there something that went wrong that you didn't like? And fix it. And, and it's all real time. Yep. It's all real time. And in the midst of all of that, you are talking to them about your needs, you're talking, you're assessing their situation and their needs, but also you're getting to know them, you're getting to know their work style, you're getting to, to know how they work, how they take bad information, how they take great information, you know how to read a room, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of what comes out of that is building that trust and building that rapport with them. So when you do have to have that conversation of like, I'm taking three days a week, here's what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know you feel comfortable or in some cases when I can obviously speaking from my personal experience, I remember a day when I finally went up to my boss and we had, you know, we'd been together for quite some time at this point. And I walked right up to my boss and said, Hey, do you have a minute? We need to talk. And the first thing out of their mouth was, you're not leaving me. Are you, you're you're, you're not. (laughs) I laugh at it now because I was at a point where I said, look, I'm not leaving you, but I know if I don't take some time off to completely unplug right now, I just might. Mm -hmm. And just like that, they were like, whatever time you need, Mm -hmm. take the time. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like a mutual understanding because, again, he, he knew me well enough to say, 
I see you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. go ahead, take that time. Right. And no right. questions were asked. Yep. And I think that's a nice um, segue to my next question, which is how, you know, how can people have those harder conversations, right? Because I think you know, there's some people who it's more natural for them to say things like that. It's more natural for them to be able to speak to those things. And there's other people who really have to work at that and who have to really get comfortable asking for what they need. And so I'm sure there's many people who are sitting and listening today going, like, it's like, I, yes, pick me because I want to ask and I don't know how and I don't want to disappoint people and I don't want to let anybody down and I want to prove myself and I want to prove my value and oh my God, it's a recession and I shouldn't be asking for what I need. Like, who knows, right? There's all these scripts that could be playing in people's heads that are preventing them from Mm -hmm. asking for what they need. So what, like, what are strategies or maybe suggestions that you might have about how somebody can muster the confidence or the will to have that hard conversation. Like how might they just even approach it? Mm-hmm. You know, what would be some good, some good ways of doing that? I, I mean, I think implementing for me has always been, you know, having that open dialogue and the, the briefs, the morning briefs have always been very instrumental for me because, you know, this is the beginning of their day and you can get a sense of what your day is going to be based on, you know, getting a good temperature check on them mm-hmm. and, you know, and then constantly checking in, hey, you good? Bringing them a glass of water or making sure they eat because a lot of times your executives don't eat, you know, and those little high touches go so long. And then you realize that, you know, they start becoming more human to you and it's not, they're not robots, you know, meeting to meeting to meeting. But I think ha- just having the confidence to just say what you feel because what's the worst that can happen when you ask something? They're just going to say no if they don't agree with you, you know, and that's it. You ask. The answer is no. If you want to know why, ask why. But also come at them with hard facts. Here's why I want to do this and here are the reasons why. Or here's why I feel we need to do this and here's what I'd like to do and here's why. And being comfortable enough to have those conversations, you you already have the job. You're already their person. Like they they look at you for strength. They look at you when things aren't going right. You should feel the same way. Like, hey, I need need to take some time off. I got to go take care of my family situation. You don't need to tell them everything. Mm -hmm. But if you feel comfortable, then then share that. But again, you know, they're people too. Because they sometimes, it's going to come, there's going to be a point in your career where you're going to realize that you know who needs the time off more than you right now, too, is your boss. They burn out, too. And they are always, you know, wearing their capes and keep going harder and harder and harder. And, you know, when they start looking a little disheveled and they need a haircut or their shirt's not tucked in right, it's like, okay, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Let's have a conversation. I mean, I know this sounds incredibly morbid, but whatever. So it's like, you know, sometimes you also have to flash forward, like, the times when you're making these decisions and you're, you know, you're tuning out certain things in your personal life or your, you know, whatever, um, things in your personal life, you're tuning them out because you're tuning in to something else, somebody mm-hmm. else, your career, a client, an executive, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And it's like sometimes you jump to flash forward, right? And you're like, okay, now you're an old ass, dried up person <laughs> <laughs> sitting on a porch. You know, and, you know, you maybe are got all your marbles, let's hope, maybe not, whatever. (laughs) But the point is, like, who's coming by, you know, Mm -hmm. who's coming by? Who's who's calling to check in on you? 
to to listen to your stories, who's coming by to bring you a little leftovers or whatever, who's coming by to sit with you and 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 hear you out yeah. and spend time with you. It, it's not it's it's probably not the boss that you had. No, and also like I, I feel like it does when you don't speak about these things that weigh heavily on your heart and in your mind and in your soul and you don't say anything, I feel like that's even more detrimental to yourself because it's like it's crazy how strong our brains are and, and our anxiety, like that will eat you up alive too because it's just weighing so heavily on you. And it's right. like just say it and you'll find it that when you do say right. what you're feeling and put it out there, you know, you might find that your boss has a newfound respect for you too. Exactly. You know, and it's exactly. like it's okay. Talk about it. It's okay. You are partners in this. Yep. It, and it's okay to be transparent, yep. you know, and say, I'm tired. Exactly. I, I need to, you know what, I'm going to bounce early today. I really need to take that Pilates class. Yep. I really just need a minute and maybe call my mom because I haven't talked to her yep. in a month or two. Yep. You know, just it's those little things that mean so much at the end. And maybe start start there. But also, yep. you like, don't deny yourself of what you know you need. And it's okay. You know, it's okay to to admit that. You might need a little extra something, whether it's sleep, whether it's, you know, maybe one day going and eating tons of carbs or going and watching your chick flick with your friends and Mm -hmm. eating, you know, popcorn and candy and having a glass of champagne. Like, Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And it's it's necessary and it's so good to have, especially having those friends that understand the type of work that you do and helping you decompress as Mm -hmm. well. Super Mm -hmm. important. Yep. I think that's so, so well said. So as we wrap up our conversation, I have one final question for you, which is if you could support anyone in the history of the world um, throughout the course of time, who would you choose and why? I have to be honest, you know, I really, I really don't think it would matter on who it was or who it would be for me to support so long as... I'm making a difference and a real change, not just within their life, but in the business. I I feel like I'm at a point in my career where it's not about the money. It's not about the notoriety. It's about the people. That is so number one for me. And being part of something that's really meaningful, that is making change, something with um, a collective bigger picture, doing something positive in the world. Um, and... For me personally, it it gives me so much pleasure to help people. Like it's in my blood. Like that's what I do. You know, on top of being a Latina, you know, we have, you know, we love to, you know, serve others. And for me, it's just so ingrained. My family is very much like that. Thank you for being here with us. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm very, very honored and very flattered to be here with you. And this really, really means a lot. And I hope, you know, the little things that I shared in my personal life and experience, you know, maybe it'll help others. I think I, I really think hope I it have does. every confidence that it will. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Thank you.